today we are talking about Galatians 5. And of course, the famous bit in Galatians 5 is the fruit of the Spirit. It's the thing that we all think about. Um, you know, it's good to know that the fruit of the Spirit's not a banana, but in fact is all the other things that we heard about in that song. Um, but yeah, the fruit of the Spirit is um, just a small part of this passage. And actually, we're going to look at, we're going to dive into Galatians 5, we're going to look at the whole passage or, you know, pick out other bits of the passage and hear what kind of God wants to say to us this morning as a church as we look at that. So can I encourage you to open up your Bibles or get Galatians 5 up on a device and let's look at it together. So the passage starts um, in verse 1, obviously, with the word, so Christ has really set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. So Paul starts this passage, so Christ has really set us free. It's kind of like he's starting, um, you know, this sentence, mid-sentence. It's almost like, it, you know, he starts with a so, not great grammar. Um, but that's really because he's really following on from um, Galatians 4, which Andy was looking at last week. And the key themes in that really were Paul saying that we no longer are living in slavery, but we are children and that Christ has set us free. And, and Galatians 4 actually ends with this truth that we are children of the free woman, acceptable to God because of our faith. We're acceptable to God because of our faith. And that's, this, is a, this is a message that we're going to hear throughout this letter and throughout this book that it's because of faith that we are set free. And it's because of faith that we can have salvation. And so, you know, the, the, the passage really starts with Paul reminding us again that we really are set free. And he says to the Galatians, now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery. And he's saying this because let's remember, the Galatians, you know, had heard the message, they knew the truth, and yet they had been caught back up in this kind of lie that they needed to do so much more to gain their salvation. And he's reminding them, you know, I've told you this message again, I'm telling you it again. Don't slip back into the old ways. Don't slip back into the old mindset. And that's something that, you know, we can really, you know, hold on to. That sometimes it's easy for us to slip back into the old mindsets. But God wants to remind us that we are his children and that we have truly been set free. Let's look together at the, the next few verses. So verses two to four. It says, listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ cannot help you. I'll say it again. If you are trying to find favour with God by being circumcised, you must obey all of the regulations in the whole law of Moses. If you, if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have cut yourself off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. Now, I think with these verses that it's very easy to skip over them because, you know, it talks about if you're trying to make yourself right with God by counting on circumcision. And, you know, I think Luke said it a couple of weeks ago, and we've kind of been saying it together, you know, through this message that you look at that and you think, well, you know, circumcision, I, I'm not tempted to be circumcised. That's not something that I'm struggling with. That's not a message that I'm hearing that I'm falling into. And we can get blinded by the fact 
that we can just skip over those verses and think, well, that's not really that relevant to me. And yet we've been looking, haven't we, at the fact that circumcision is really just a symbol of the law. And it can be actually, it can be, it can be substituted for a whole host of things that we can slip into that are maybe a bit more common for us in our society today. You know, whether it's that we are living by rules and not by grace, whether it's that we're self-reliant and we're relying on our self-achievement and what we can achieve to gain approval from God, or whether it's just that we are just placing too much emphasis on works rather than grace. These are the things that we need to watch out for in our own lives, because when we're governed by these things, we live in a rules-based mentality rather than a relationship. And we are built for a relationship. We're built for a relationship with, with the living God. And so, you know, it says, so long as I do this, you know, you kind of think to yourself, so long as I do this or do that, God will love me. Or so long as I'm a good Christian, I'll gain my salvation. Or, you know, I just need to try harder or have more self-discipline and that will make me better. That's what's going to be the answer here. And we need to listen to Paul's words in that verse, you know, that says, if you're, if you're trying to keep the law, you have been cut off from grace. You have fallen away from God's grace. You know, um, we were doing a Firestarters Bible study just, just last week. And we were talking about how it was really important for us to be reading the Bible and, and praying and cultivating that relationship with God. And one of the girls in my group just shared that, you know, she, uh, you know, a few years ago, she'd, she'd gone through this season where um, she wasn't really reading her Bible. She wasn't really praying. And actually, the more that she did that, the more she felt ashamed and guilty. And it, it went into this spiral of like, I'm not spending time with God. I'm not reading my Bible. Now I feel really ashamed. Now I feel really guilty. Now I find it harder to come into God's presence. And it was this kind of thing that was creating a distance, a distance between her and God. And then she said, you know, then I went to this conference and um, I was just in worship and I just had this like amazing encounter. It's like God just 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 met with me in the middle of that worship and just just you know showed me his love and showed me his grace and my whole mind mindset was transformed i no longer felt ashamed i no longer felt guilty i was just drawn into his presence you know and some of us maybe need to hear that this morning you know maybe we're feeling bad that we've not spent time with god or that we're not and keeping up with the disciplines in our life. And actually it's stopping us from coming into his presence rather than drawing us into his presence. You know, and I just believe that God wants to say to you this morning that, that his grace is sufficient and he longs to have relationship with you. He longs to spend time with you. Now, don't get me wrong, you know, does this mean that we can just rest on our laurels? Does it mean, you know, like that we swing from being law-based to just being pure lazy? Well, you know, of course not. That would be like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And I mean, who wants to do that? I mean, I don't, I don't even know where that phrase comes from, throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Who would do that? 
But you know, we don't want to do that. We don't want to go from one extreme to the other. Um, it's like spiritual disciplines, reading our Bible, you know, just, just the spiritual disciplines of life. These are good things. These are really good things. We don't just throw them out the window because we're now living by grace and we think, well, you know, but we're living under grace. So we, you know, anything goes. We don't have to do that. But I think the distinguishing sign of whether we have healthy spiritual disciplines in our life is how we feel if we don't do those things. I'd suggest that if we're feeling ashamed or guilty, if we're feeling distant from God, maybe not kind of actually because we're just not spending time so we, so we do feel distant from him, but actually we don't feel like we can come into his presence, that we're not acceptable to him then I suggest that actually that is the enemy's strategy. In John 10, 10, it says, you know, that the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. He would love you to feel all those things. He'd love you to feel ashamed and guilty because that would actually just kind of, you know, self-perpetuate and keep, keep you even further from the Father. But I suggest maybe a more healthy feeling would be actually, you know, I miss spending time with God. Or I know it's good for me. I, I want to spend time with God. Because these, these are healthy feelings that you're living in a relationship and that you're living under grace and not under the law. It's like exercise, isn't it? You know, I don't know about you. you know, like I, I know that exercise is good for me. I know that it will keep me healthy. I know that it will probably help me live longer. But, you know, sometimes I don't do it. In fact, recently exercise has gone right out the window but you know Dave doesn't love me or he better not <laughs> Dave doesn't love me because I do exercise or um you know because I'm in great shape I don't earn his love or relationship with him in that way and it you know it's the same with God we don't have to do a set set thing to earn his relationship or earn a right into his presence because Jesus has done that for, for us by his by his grace you know he's he's died on that cross so that we can have union with God and actually the answer is the question is never like does God want to spend time with me the answer is yes God always wants to spend time with us and so the question to you this morning the first question is are you governed by law or by grace? And if you're governed by law, you know, Paul says you've fallen away from God's grace and there's an invitation back into it this morning. The second part of the passage that I want us to look at is in verses seven to nine. And let's read that just now. Paul says, you were getting along so well. Who has interfered with you to hold you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for he is the one who called you to freedom. But it takes only one wrong person among you to infect all the others. A little yeast spreads quickly through the whole batch of dough. You know, this verse is talking about influence. And in this passage, I guess he's talking about false false teachers in the Galatians midst. 
as we looked at earlier on in this series, you know, we looked at the fact that missionaries had come to Galatia and they had been preaching really a wrong gospel. They'd been saying that, um, you know, that the Galatians didn't only need faith, but they also needed to obey the law that Moses gave. And back to the circumcision thing, you know, circumcision was the badge of membership into God's family and Gentile converts all over the country found themselves under pressure to get circumcised so that they could be like the Jewish population. And again, you know, circumcision maybe isn't the thing that we're receiving false teaching about. But I think we've got to ask ourselves, are we listening to false teaching? Are we being influenced by subtle messages in life that aren't good for us and that aren't truth? Are we influenced or are people reinforcing unhealthy messages about what we need to do to be right with God? And if they are, you know, just to encourage you to identify them and not allow them to have authority in your life, these messages. But this verse also talks about influence, I think, in its general sense. You know, it talks about how just a tiny little bit of yeast spreads quickly through the whole batch of dough. It works quickly and yet it has, it's tiny, but it has such an influence. And it reminded me of a story that Chris Fallerton told about his, um, one of his ministry teams who uh, were a, a team that were reaching out to the homeless in their city. They were doing an amazing job. They were having an amazing impact. But gradually, Chris started to notice that as they came back to the office, they started to have a really negative attitude or an attitude that lacked faith or were saying things that just didn't really sound like his team and his people. And he suddenly realised that actually his team were being impacted and influenced by the homeless people themselves, the people that they were reaching out to, that they were trying to show and express God's love to. Those homeless people were actually influencing the mindset and the language of his, of his team. And he challenged them and he said, you know, you're starting to talk like the people that you are around and, and that you're reaching out to. And I think that's a real challenge for us because again, it doesn't give us a ticket off or like a, you know, a free pass not to do any outreach and not to hang out with non-Christians. I mean, that would be ridiculous. No, we're called to be light in this world. We're called to hang out. I mean, Jesus, look at him. He hung out with all the most unlikely candidates. He hung out with prostitutes and tax collectors and, and other people. He was, he was there in the midst of the world living with real people. But the question really is to us is, are we being influenced by the people around us in a bad way? You know, and I think I would ask the question, you know, are you surrounding yourself with people who feed an unhealthy mindset or those who help you have the mind of Christ? Are you surrounding yourself with people who pull you away from God and the things of God or who push you closer to God? Are you surrounding yourselves with people who are a good influence on you? Are you the best version of yourself when you are around them? Do they pull the gold out of you? Or do you come away more negative or critical after being with them or using bad language or reflecting some of the behaviours that you don't want to? 
who we let influence us will play a big part in who we are. And so that's the second question for you this morning. Who is influencing you? Who are you allowing to influence you in your life? And the third part of the passage that I want us to look at is the fruit of the Spirit coming back round to that. Let's read together verse 22 to 23. It says, but when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, he will produce this kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Here, there is no conflict with the law. So this part of the passage really emphasizes this balance that although we're not governed by works, we are called to live a life that reflects the goodness of God and that brings heaven to earth, that reflects kind of the, the culture of heaven, the goodness of God, the kindness of Jesus, the gentleness, all these things. But let's notice here that this part of the passage talks about the fruit of the spirit as opposed to the works of the spirit. You know, Paul's worked hard to get across the message that we're not saved by works, we're saved by grace. So there's a significant shift away from living a life guided by human endeavours and by self-reliance, by just trying harder to be a better person. But rather, as verse 25 talks about allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us, to guide us in every part of our lives and allow him to produce fruit in our lives. And one version talks about keeping in step with the Spirit, and I love that. We're going to look at the fruit, but before we do, the other thing to notice is that it talks about fruit in the singular rather than in the plural. And yet there's a long list of items. You'd think it was the fruits of the Spirit. And I think what it's saying here is that it's because it comes from one source. It comes from one Spirit. All these manifestations just come from one source alone. And so if we think about the list, we look at it and, it and it starts with love, joy and peace. There's a list of nine fruits and it starts with love, joy, peace. And, and I don't think it's any coincidence that it starts with love because everything starts with love. Love is such a key theme in the Bible, isn't it? You know, in so many other passages, it talks about you know, if we do this or do that, but we don't have love, we're just a clanging gong. Or we love because he first loved us. Or when it talks about faith, hope and love, which is the greatest? It's love. And so love takes priority at the, at the front of this passage. God is love. God is love. And the first three items, love, joy and peace. The other thing to notice about these is, is that they are inward states. They are states of mind and states of being. Yes, we can demonstrate love to others, but actually, ultimately, it's about being loved. It's about receiving joy. It's about receiving peace. And that from that place, we then go out and we can be the other things to the world. They are, they're socially oriented. The, the last six are socially oriented or outward focused. And yet the first three are the things that we need to sort of dwell in, to allow the other ones to come out. You know, in John 15, verse four, 
you know, the vine and the branches. I love that passage. It talks about remain in me as I also remain in you. And he reminds us no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. We can't just have more patience. We can't just have more kindness. We can't just dredge up more gentleness by trying harder. I mean, we can, but ultimately it runs dry. We have these things by abiding in him first and being filled by his spirit. So the third question to you today is, are you abiding in him? Are you drawing on him and his well for all that you need? And I'm talking to myself here. Are you spending time with him just to spend time with him? Not to ask for anything, not to petition, not to intercede, but just to spend time in his presence and in his love. Because I really believe that from that place, we will get everything that we need to be able to then express his love to the world around us. To have patience for our kids, to have kindness for a stranger, to display God's goodness to our work colleagues, to have gentleness when I'm frustrated or hot-headed, to have faithfulness to those we've committed to and let our yes be yes to have self-control where our fleshly desires may seek to take over. Let's abide in him. Let's spend time with him and allow the other things to follow. So there's three things that we have looked at today. The first really is, you know, are we living by rules or by grace? The second was about who are we letting influence our lives and are they good influences on us? And the third was about the fruit of the spirit. And yes, being all those things to the world around us, but it coming out of a place where we're abiding in him, us in him and him in us, that beautiful relationship. So Hope Church, there's lots to take away in that. I hope that it has been a blessing and that different parts have maybe spoken to different people. As we go out from this week, I just pray that as you just spend time in his presence, that you would find everything that you need from him, that you would experience his love again and that you would um, draw closer and closer into the intimacy that he has promised for us who believe and to, for his children.